Hey, what's good? This is Rich, and you're listening to Paychecks and Balances, a podcast at the intersection of work, money, and life. And if you're new, know that you're joined by thousands of professionals navigating their finances and careers to achieve the freedom they want. And speaking of freedom, this Saturday, June 19th, is Juneteenth, which commemorates the end of slavery, but not the end of the oppression, because there's still so much work to be done. And a question that I'm constantly asking myself that I'm also asking you is what's your role? What's the part that you want to play in all of this? And that can mean a lot of different things. As for today's show, I'm catching up with the number one woman personal finance content creator on TikTok and longtime friend of the show, Tori Dunlap, about her rise and how she's leveraged financial wit for financial gain. You'll also hear how passion does indeed pay off. And I surprised Tori at the end with something that I tried that's new. And speaking of something new, I'm starting a little spinoff show on an app called Fireside, which is kind of like a more podcast-friendly version of Clubhouse. And I'm going to be answering listener questions on the career and personal finance fronts live. So think free coaching and also productive discussion. So if you're interested in having your question answered on the show, if you're interested in some live coaching on this spinoff show or on Paychecks and Balances, because I'll be sharing some of that content here as well, drop an email to info at P-A-Y-B-A-L dot C-O, info at paybal dot C-O, I-N-F-O at P-A-Y-B-A-L dot C-O for consideration. And I'm looking forward to seeing what comes in and having members of the PNB family join me live. So that's all I got for updates. Here's my conversation with Tori, and I hope you enjoy. Tori, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. It's insane because it's been since 2019 when you were last in the podcast, but it, it feels like it was like 2018, 17. It feels like it was a really, really long time ago to me. And I guess 2019 oh, oh, yeah. is a long time ago, but it feels like two or three X that just given how much has been going on over the past couple of years. Well, in 2020 felt like a decade. <laughs> that was not a, that was not a year. That was a decade. I actually came back from New Orleans on March 11th. It was the day after my birthday. And then that flight back is when everything just went left. That's when the UK travel ban happened. That's when oh, uh, the NBA game got shut down and then they went into the the pause period or whatever you call that. Yeah. There were a couple other things that were happening. And then pretty much from March 11th till now, my ass has been home Yep, like many of us. And I, I know uh, we're excited about getting back to some semblance of, uh, of normalcy. But yeah, it's been a, a long time. And, and I shared a little bit in the uh, intro uh, about your background, but for those who are not familiar, tell the PNB family a little bit about yourself. We'll definitely talk about some of the exciting things you have going on right now because I'm, I'm uh, low key envious over here. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's very kind. It's been it's been a crazy couple of years. So. I'm Tori Dunlap. I run Her First 100K, which is a money and career platform for women. Uh, I believe I was put on this earth to fight for women's financial rights. So I work as a money speaker and educator. I help women all over the world pay off debt, save money, start investing, negotiate their salaries, start online businesses. Uh, and we're a community of over 1.5 million. So wow. absolutely crazy. Yeah. Uh, this time last year, we were at about 30,000. And now we're at 1.5 million. So 30,000 is still impressive. 30,000 is, yeah, we had, we have our Facebook group, we had Instagram, but I hadn't even started on TikTok this time last year. 
and it's just crazy to see the growth. But yeah, I it's my favorite thing to do in the world, and I don't think we have any sort of equality for marginalized groups, including women, until we have financial equality. And so my work is as an educator around money, but not just the how-to, but also like, let's talk about systemic oppression. Let's talk about wage gaps. Let's talk about racist, sexist systems that exist that continually keep us from, from gaining agency. So my work is trying to do both of those things. It's not just, here's the exact steps to pay off debt and save money, but also right. let's acknowledge all of the shit that you have to you know, overcome or all the barriers that are in your way to even get to that point. Yes, yes. And you said something there that made me think of uh, purpose. Right away, you were like, I'm here to help with, and I've become a lot more clear in my own purpose over the last year. How did you get so clear in that? I think it was realizing that the financial education I had had as a kid was a privilege. I just thought that was normal for everybody. I thought it was normal to know how to save money, know how to stay out of credit card debt, know how to even negotiate. And I had parents, I was lucky enough to have parents who taught me how to do those things. And then I graduated college and we're having, I was having conversations with female friends of mine. They were all coming to me for financial advice. I was the friend they were all coming to. And it became very clear to me, very obvious of like, oh, this is not normal. This was a privilege. And with that privilege comes a responsibility. And so I graduated college in May, 2016. I, uh, started her first 100k a month after the election. So I started it what it was a blog at the time it later became her first 100k. It evolved once I realized just that it's our best form of protest. It's having a financial education, having financial agency is our best form of protest. I was coming into adulthood, coming into womanhood in a very different America than I expected, you know. I expected our first female president. We got Donald Trump. And it was one of those things where I was just realizing Oh gosh, so this feminist movement, this wanting equality, and not just for women, but equality for everybody, it, it doesn't happen until we have financial agency. It doesn't happen until, you know, we have the financial means to start leaving toxic situations we don't want to be in anymore. The decision to have kids or not have kids, the decision to get married or not get married, um, buying a house, starting a business, donating to causes you believe in, right? Everything changes when you have financial agency, when you have choices, because that's what money provides you. So I think that that is really how I focused in on my mission, was just the realization that there, there were a lot of people talking about money, but very few, at least at the time, talking about money through this lens of seeing it inherently as feminist, seeing it inherently as a form of protest, just by getting your financial shit together, just by working to not be a statistic around debt or around, you know, not starting investing. So that was, I think, what really brought me, brought me to what her first 100K is all about. Interesting, because I've been thinking about the past few years, and you probably noticed it too, it, it feels like the interest in personal finance has exploded. Oh, definitely. It feels like money is finally cool. And even I think like we're getting the, there. Yeah. Yeah. We're, yeah, we're, we're getting there and we're even getting to a place where I still see folks say it's, it's a taboo topic. And in many households, money is still a taboo topic, but it's yeah. becoming a lot less taboo just because of how many people I see jumping into the space. And I've been asking people like, why do you, why do you think that is? And, and you might've answered it in a, in a way, because I, I've noticed given the past few years, what's been happening politically what's been happening now in the last year over the course of the pandemic where people are kind of like yo i've had time to sit think like and reflect right. and and this 
isn't what I want. Like, no, I'm, I'm tired of this. Like if things aren't going to work out in DC or wherever to create the type of change and, and, and policy that I need to improve the state of my affairs and, and those that I'm close to and those that are around me, then I need to take that on myself. Well, and I think it's the the root of this has started way earlier. You know, you could argue decades and decades, but I think it really started with 2008. And then probably right. with Occupy Wall Street, what was that, 2012? Um, just around, you know, just realizing the vast wealth inequality around the world, but especially in the United States. And again, realizing that it is directly linked to our political system. It is directly linked to who has power, who has influence, who can actively fight for change. The people who unfortunately are the most influential are the people who have the most money. And I'm not saying we should go out and be, you know, Jeff Bezos level billionaire trillionaires, but just having, again, the agency to make your own choices is, is an act of protest in and of itself. If you, yeah, if you're a woman where you're in a toxic job and you're getting sexually harassed every day, but you have to stay because you need the money, right? It is an act of protest against unjust systems to have the agency that have the financial means and the agency in order to leave, right? Because you don't have to be there anymore. You don't have to put up with that anymore. Or you can, you know, you can sue the company because you have the legal means to do so, right? So there's, there's so much power that comes just from having your financial shit together, right? From not, not feeling like you have to live paycheck to paycheck, from not feeling like, again, you have to stay in these toxic systems that, um, that, don't serve you. I love that because I really see finances as freedom. That that was the big thing for me when I got out of debt. It wasn't just to get out of debt to stop paying interest. It was like, I don't want right. anything hanging over my head. I don't want anyone coming after me. I don't want to be thinking about what if I end up in one bad life situation. Now suddenly right. I've got collectors calling and all of this other stuff. And now I'm at a place where with money, you can't tell me <laughs> what to do. I mean, I'm not out here with that Bezos coin, but- uh, just being in a place where even if I want to go on a vacation or if I want to do something last minute, there's there's not that, oh, let me, I do look at my statements and stuff, but there's not that same, like, can we pull this off? It's like, look, yeah. I want to do this. We want to do this. Let's go do it. Let's make it happen. Same thing with me. I, I uh, can buy my friend's dinner and not think twice about it. Isn't that a thing of beauty? Oh, it's beautiful. I can go out uh, for $150, $200 dinner because that's what I love. That's what I love spending my money on. I love good food. And I can, you know, I know my friends make slightly less than me, and that's not a weird dynamic because we've all talked about it. And I'm like, I got it. Like, I'll take it. Not a big deal. I got it this time. Like, that's so cool. It's so cool to be able to, you know, one, have a have friends where you can discuss money so openly. But two, also for me, it was just like, yes, yeah, this is what this is what financial agency can provide. And I think it's so clear for folks to when you're trying to work towards any financial goal, it's not, it's not the number or it's not, you know, the get out of debt. It's the, how does your life change because of this? Right. So like my hundred K, so I saved hundred K at 25. That's, that was kind of the origin story of her first hundred K and the hundred K I'm very actually motivated by numbers. So it was part of like being able to see that hundred K. It was more that that was going to give me the flexibility to quit my job. That was going to give me the, uh, the basis or the foundation again, to have enough money to quit my job, to run my business and fall back on that money in case I needed it. I ended up, you know, very thankfully not needing it because my business took off, but 
you know, that was, that was the, the intent behind the saving the hundred K. And I feel like so many people are like, okay, well I'll save like $10,000 this year. And then it doesn't happen. And they wonder why, why are you saving $10,000? Are you saving $10,000 to be able to travel internationally twice this year? Are you saving $10,000 because it's half of a down payment on a house? Are you saving $10,000 because again, you need that emergency fund in order for you to be able to make more flexible choices for your life. So yeah, it's not enough to just say, I'm going to get out of debt because, right? It's, it's, I'm going to get out of debt for you. Like, you know, I don't want that hanging over in my head anymore. I don't want to continue having to pay this interest payment. I'd rather use this $400 I'm paying a month to, yeah, go out to eat, to save for a house, to do this other thing. So I think that when you are trying to save financial or save or, you know, set financial goals, it's so, it's so important to not only get clear on exactly what the goal is, but like, why are you doing it? Why? Because when it gets really hard and you don't want to do it anymore, right? When you're at like month six or month 12 or, and you're like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to keep saving money. I don't want to keep like trying to pay off my debt aggressively. It's like, this is the thing that keeps motivating you. You just said a word there because one of the first things I ask people about anything is, is why? And a lot of times I get people asking me about starting a podcast and we'll talk about what you have going in that world where appropriate. The first thing I ask people is, is, is why I, why do you want to start a show? Because it's, it's a lot of work. Yep. And if you don't have some type of outcome and it doesn't have to be sponsors, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't even have to be something financial. It, it could be just something that that really just aligns closely with your values and it feeds you and recharges you. It could be your hobby. It could be your the equivalent of your gardening. It could be anything, really. But it's important that that you have that that why and uh, and what I've talked about in the show in the past is this idea of like emotional goals and everything can't be an emotional goal. Like me getting up at six a.m. can't be emotional. I, I could make it emotional probably, but it's not an emotional <laughs> thing. I think about the goals that when you when you think about achieving them, you actually like feel something like your hair stands up or like you get a chill or you actually get a a little bit emotional. I found that like, those are the type of goals that even with something like getting out of debt, where you think about that feeling of getting out of debt and it's like, oh, the freedom, the things I'll be able to do, what will that feel like? I found that part to be uh, really helpful if it's not something tangible, like I want to leave my job or I want to get to X number of dollars to also think about like what it will actually feel like to achieve that goal. That's what's so great about getting specific. And then I put the, the other layer on it, which is, this is not just about you. This is about this larger systemic change, right? Of you paying enough debt and not being another statistic as a woman, a person of color, a member of the LGBTQ community, a differently abled person, right? You not being in debt or you having financial agency or you buying a home is an active form of protest. So, It's all of those things that, of course, you're excited about, right, that make your life better, that you have for a specific reason. And then in addition, it is a form of protest inherently against these unjust systems. So it's like a doubly motivated thing. So again, when you like don't want to save any more money and when you're like, why do I have to keep doing this, right? It's not just your own personal goal. It's like, I'm literally working to change the world by changing my own life because the entire communities around you start to change when you have that financial agency, when you have that freedom, when you have that choice, because it's not, you know, it's not, uh, it's not just you. It's, it's you changing your own life and inherently 
fighting against a system that is trying to keep you down, is trying to keep you from buying a home, is trying to keep you in debt, is trying to keep you in that toxic situation. And that's what I've seen with my work is like, I get messages. I used to say every day, it's like every probably half hour now from women who are like, I was able to leave my toxic boyfriend because I can afford my own apartment now. Right. Or I negotiated $10,000 more in my salary. And that, that is enough money now where I can start saving and saving more money. I haven't been able to save before. Now I can, or yeah, I paid off my student loan debt and now I can finally go travel right at the rate I want to, or I can, yeah, buy a home. And so it's the coolest thing to know that personal finance is, yeah, it's not boring. And it's, it's one of those things where, again, if, if you are changing your own life, if you are working to improve your own life inherently, that is a, an F you to this, this unjust system. It is. I was thinking about some of the financial goals that I have. And I was thinking about how you talked about how it's uh, nice to be able to take your friends out and treat them. I, I love yeah. being able to do stuff like that. Not just a stunt, but I just like seeing people. Oh, happy, no, not a know? stunt at all. Yeah. 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 I've been thinking for a while, like, I can't wait till I'm ready to start a scholarship fund. Like, I've been thinking about this that's for like literally, years. That's me too. I, I just, it had never crossed my mind because I, that's like, I was like, oh, that's for like, insanely like old rich white couples you know like you know like that's that's that like and so then I was like I I'm realizing like especially like next year if we have the same year I could start a scholarship at my university like I could start you know a couple thousand dollar scholarship at my university I thought you were trying to get your name on the building oh I mean (laughs) but that just occurred to me a couple a couple months ago to be honest because that's isn't that the funny thing and and obviously you know you're a person of color and so I imagine it's even you know more loaded because yeah I mean for me I'm like I'm young I'm in my 20s I'm like that's not for me right and then just thinking about it I'm like it can be for me right or it can be for for a black man it can be for you know that's that's the the coolest thing again it's like financial agency it's like all right what do I, what good do i want to do with this money how many people do i want to employ how many women do i want to employ in my company that's what i'm going through right now of like cool my life's changing now that we're making really good money how can i make sure that i'm bringing women on who i love and who i respect and who i want to see grow and have them share in that too that is intention clarity purpose values even be able to like think like that and opt like that's just all of those things in one, which is incredible. And before I lose this thought, because my memory be struggling, uh, I I was thinking about the conversations that you've had with your friends about money. And how did y'all get to the place of even being able to talk about money? Or were y'all already kind of just like of similar mindset and kind of connected? And we're like, yay, we've been looking for people to have these these types of conversations with. And y'all became friends. I think um, part of the uh, unspoken contract of friendship with Tori Dunlap is that you're going to have conversations about money. Like, you're coming into a relationship with me, whether that's romantic, platonic, you know, like, you know, you're going to talk about money. (laughs) It's going to be pretty quick. So, you know, my best friend and I have known each other for four or five years. And so, you know, she knew me pre her first 100K. And, um, I think a lot of it is just growing trust in other aspects of your life. And so money just feels like the next thing to talk about. 
Um, and you know this stat, I'm sure, but we're more likely to talk about sex, politics, religion, death, pretty much every other uncomfy topic before we will have a conversation about money. And so for me, it's, it's, it's just one of those natural things where you can just have, start having conversations. I remember it probably was like two or three years ago at this point, we went out to dinner, my best friend and I, for uh, my birthday. And we decided to like ball out on this like four course, five course meal that was going to be like 80 bucks a piece. She invited me out. She made the reservation and she just told me, you know, she's like, oh, I got, you know, I'll buy you, I'll buy you your first drink. And then when we were deciding on what to get, you know, for the menu, we were both looking at that, you know, that kind of four or five course thing. And I was like, Hey, so, you know, I'm assuming that you're not comfortable paying for me for this. And she's like, no, not really. And I'm like, okay, no worries. Yeah, I can, you know, I'm, I'm great with that. Right. And so that was talking about money in a really transparent way, but it was really short and it was, you know, nobody got their feelings hurt. Right. And it was just like me clarifying of like, Hey, this is pretty expensive. I'm assuming we want to go Dutch on this. And she's like, yeah, like that's easy, you know? And so I think once you start doing it, start potentially having this uncomfortable topic, it starts getting more comfortable the more frequently you do it. And it doesn't have to be again, like we're going to sit down right now and we are going to have a four hour conversation about personal finance. It could be that maybe that works for you. I don't like that at all. Yeah. It's (laughs) yeah. And it's (laughs) again, if you're managing money with a partner, right, you're probably going to have more of those conversations. Like for me with, you know, my friends, with my family, again, inherent, like unspoken rule that you're going to have this conversation with me. We're going to have, we're going to talk about money. Um, but in addition, it's just these like small moments of just gaining or building trust and, and gaining comfortability in those, in those potentially uncomfy moments. I'm thinking about a lot of uh, my friends and uh, we probably wouldn't get to this level of conversation about finances. I, I also think in many ways, hetero cis men just operate differently. Black men operate differently in mm. terms of the conversations that, that we have with, with each other, what we share, uh, what we yeah. don't share. I have noticed that crypto is the great uniter amongst us where, you know, everyone's oh, yeah. dabbling and talking about like what's happened throughout the days. Oh, and I still think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, at least the data and my qualitative data in my life shows that men are more likely to talk about money and especially around the stock market. And so women feel so left out of those conversations and so intimidated by them. I've been saying for like the last few days now that crypto feels like the new fantasy sports for better or worse because it, Oh, you're right. It kind of does, doesn't it? It's hyper masculine. Super masculine. But fortunately I haven't seen the ugly side of that. So when I say hyper masculine, I just mean I only see men in it. I don't mean it's toxic. Uh, I'm sure there's some of that too. It is toxic. We could talk about it. <laughs> okay, cool. So I, I personally haven't witnessed it, but I have noticed. I'm like, yo, I am yet to come across. Well, that's not that's not fully true. I know very few women who are in this space. Everyone that I know who's obsessively talking about this is a dude. And for the most part, the people who I hear obsessively talking about it are white dudes. Yep. But I'm noticing that within uh, circles like mine, w- that there is an increase around this one. And probably just because it is like stock and it's like, it's, it's already a natural inclination for us. I'm thinking if things ever become more regulated or settled, I can just see it being just like a a huge other issue of inequality. So even learning how to get into that, I had to adjust to like the way the market just like it, 
I've never seen anything like that. The way that it varies, like literally from hours where like I open my phone and I'm like, oh, suddenly I'm down like $800. Oh, now I'm up 200. Yeah. There will be a reckoning in that space as well, I think. Here's the thing. It's so interesting because there's still not fully a reckoning in the stock market. And the stock market's been around for 125 years. So Mm. if crypto goes the same way, we're looking at centuries, right? Yeah. Potentially. So that's, again, the mission behind her first 100K is, unfortunately, in a heteronormative relationship, the man handles the wealth building. The woman handles the day-to-day finances. Women handle the coupon clipping and the budgeting and the, uh, if anybody still balances their checkbook anymore, balancing the checkbook, right? They handle the day-to-day finances. Men are buying real estate. Men are investing. Men are learning about stocks. They're learning about crypto, right? They are doing the big wealth building, or they're making the big wealth building decisions. So this is still happening. We're in 2021, right? And assuming you're in a heteronormative couple, right? That's still what's happening statistically. More and more women are gaining agency. You know, I'm hopefully on the forefront of that and and hoping to change that along with many other women and many other people. But that's still where we're at. Like we're still at men are trading stocks and doing crypto. Women are shopping at the grocery store. Like that's still where we're at. And I think Again, the world starts to change when women have more agency, when women have representation in these places. I am a financial expert. I am not invested in crypto at all because, frankly, it does feel intimidating and it feels super broy. And I don't want it. Like I don't, I'm not interested in it because it feels so broy. And I'm like, I don't want. I don't. I I don't feel welcome in this space. Women in my community have repeatedly told me, especially after the whole GameStop thing, that anytime they would like try to go on these Reddit forums and have conversations and ask questions, Nasties. men would literally straight up tell them, you don't belong here. This isn't for you. Like, you're a woman. This isn't for you. Still, Yo. it's 2021 and we still get told this. I get told literally every single day. I talk about money for a living and I get told every single day that this is not for me and that I should sit down and shut up and that I get told this every single day. And so like, this is what we're fighting against. And again, if like, if you're a woman of color, I can't even imagine, right? That's even another barrier. Or if you're a gay woman or if you're, you know, like you have all of these things that are repeatedly keeping you right? From gaining education and agency because it feels intimidating because it feels like all of these different things. So yeah, I think, um, I'm, I'm, (laughs) if you haven't experienced it, I want to tell you that crypto is, yes, it's hyper-masculine. It's also, there's, there's parts of it that are super toxic. There's parts of all these communities dominated by men that are super toxic and, um, hyper-masculine in, uh, a not great way at times. Yeah. So I think that, yeah. Uh, and again, like I, I give this example a lot, but um, we talk about Wall Street, right? 90% more, I think, I think it's like 92% of people who work on Wall Street are men. And every representation we've seen of Wall Street, whether that's in movies or, you know, on CNBC, right, is very masculine. We have this like stock ticker that's super intimidating and masculine. Yeah. And then the bull out in front of the financial district, it's a bull, the most like masculine, like statue that's like this. And yeah. then we touch its testicles. If you've been in New York, you've been in New York, you touch its testicles for financial prosperity. 
You go so, up and you rub its balls for financial prosperity. Of course, women don't feel welcome. Of course, women don't feel welcome. That's a thing. So, so I lived in New York City thing. for four years. I've been down to Wall Street. I've seen said bull. People can't see what I just did, but I tried to act like I was goring somebody. Mm-hmm. And I did not know that it was a thing to cuppeth said spears in hopes of financial prosperity. But so many women come to me and they're like, you know, they almost whisper. They're like, what is a stock? Like, what is a stock? Like, they can't define what a stock is and that's not their fault. So, of course, they can't have conversations about diversification and asset allocation and all of these things that are like in a different language, you know. And then crypto on top of it, it's the same sort of thing, but wearing a slightly different outfit, right? (laughs) Like, it's the same sort of thing. You know, you made me think of something else, and I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about like social media engagement. But I've I've noticed because I've just started like trying new things. Like, let me let me see like what happens when I talk about crypto. Let me oh, see what uh-huh. happens when I. Yep. It is a very distinct, even in terms of like followers and things that tick up. When I talk about crypto, yeah, more men flow in, and uh, I actually notice uh, when I've talked about it a, a little bit more frequently, I actually lose women, which is. Kind of, which has been kind of interesting to see. So uh, everything you're saying, like everything you're saying, I'm like, hmm, that's probably some of what's going on here. And, it, and it's super early on. I, I hadn't even thought about the fact that in 2021, no, that's not, not, nothing surprises me anymore. But just because I hadn't thought about it doesn't make it crazy. So it doesn't surprise me that in 2021, people would still say some of these things. I mean, we've seen, we had what happened on January 6th and other types of create or January 8th, whatever day that was, the insurrection. So yeah. Nothing really surprises me, but it, but it's it's still disheartening to to hear that that when someone's trying to pursue information to improve the the state right. of their life and the state of their affairs that that they're being told you can't be here. It, it actually reminds me of one of your stories. A guy he he was so salty that you made a hundred thousand dollars that like he made it his personal mission to try to make more than you. <laughs> I get this shit all the time. There's an email, and then I posted it and screenshotted it on Instagram. Yeah, this guy just decided he was going to email uh, our general email, which my assistant receives, which, uh, yeah, try to protect my team at all costs. And there's like only so much I can do. But um, yeah, this guy was like, so, uh, and I'm going to butcher it. It was even more cruel than this, but it was like, I saw you saved 100K at 25. And I just wanted to tell you that like, I did it first and I did it before you. And I saw if you can do it, that I can probably do it and I can do it before. Because basically like a woman is not going to outdo me. He's a stranger. I don't know him. Yeah. He was like, so just wanted to let you know. <laughs> like you went out of your way to send me an email. The privilege it takes to do that? To send me an email. Oh, and his name was tied to it. I'm like, you want me to look you up on LinkedIn? Like, but I can't do anything. And because yeah, the threatening aspect of it. I mean, we can, we can talk about this further, but I got... I went like negative viral in November for talking about like influencer rates and how we should all be charging more and about how these huge brands are undercutting influencers and undercutting content creators because they're largely women and women don't know how to negotiate or don't feel comfortable negotiating. And so they take these really, really small amounts. And it's also such a veiled industry because it's so new. So very few people are talking about, you know, there's no glass door for influencers, at least you know, not, not at that level. You can't go onto Glassdoor and be like, oh, for one TikTok, what should I charge, right? With this many followers and this amount of engagement. So I talked about, I didn't name the brand, but I talked about how 
you know, this huge brand was going to pay me the small amount of money for like two TikTok videos with, you know, I had at the time 800,000 followers and oh my God, a bunch of people were supportive. A bunch of people, I mean, I got death threats. I got a negative comment every five minutes and it wasn't just like, you're wrong. It was like, you're a bitch. You're an ungrateful bitch. Sit down and shut up. Like, how dare you? I have never experienced hate like that. I get hate literally every day. We get a hate comment all the time. But like that influx was so scary. We got literally emails to, yeah, we got emails to our general email that were like, you are ungrateful. You need to sit down and shut up. You insert really aggressive, horrible name for a woman right here. With their name tied to it? I I think that one was anonymous, but it was just like the subject line was sponsorship inquiry. So they got me to click on it, and then that was that was the message of the email. That so, is one of the more trash things that I've heard. But go, that's oh, it was awful. awful. And just like you should go die, like how dare you? You should you should go kill yourself. This is what it's like to be a woman online every single day. I've had conversations with any any woman who has a platform, and I'm sure I'm sure you've you've received some of it as as a black man. Like that's the crazy thing about just trying to talk about. Like, just try to have a conversation about money. Like, I know that if it wasn't about money, granted, like, you know, I get called fat every day. So that's another thing. But like, if it wasn't about money, they wouldn't have such a field day with it. And even women, the worst comments honestly come from women who have all of this, unfortunately, like internalized misogyny around money. I think I know what that means, but can you say more? So I know what misogyny is, but when you say internalized misogyny, what do you mean by that? Sure. So we all have internalized misogyny. I have internalized misogyny, right? Because we grew up in a patriarchal world. So we have this misogyny in us, right? That a lot of us are hoping and working to unlearn, but that, you know, we have, uh, you know, into, uh, uh, internalized racism, right? We have biases. We have all of these things that we have to deal with, Right because of just the system we grew up. So like, you know, the perfect example is I had this woman who um, came on, she had, she left all these comments about how me talking about my work and me celebrating my achievements in terms of saving money. She was like, I think this is like, you're being braggy and like you talking about money, like so blatantly is like super tacky. Right. And actually I went on a, so I posted that on, on TikTok. She was like, I don't like, I don't want to see about your accomplishments. Like it's braggy. It's ridiculous. And like, why can't you just stick to educating? And so I went on Instagram and I was actually talking about it. And she happened to join my Instagram live where I was talking about the internalized misogyny of those kind of comments, which is like when men like Elon Musk, perfect example, Elon Musk sneezes, people lose their minds. They're like, oh and, my God. And their money. Oh, oh yeah. What a brilliant man. Like, oh, I love what he's doing. And I, he's such an innovator. I went on a date with a guy like a month ago and the date was already like, eh. But then he was, like, <laughs> he said, he goes, I think like Elon Musk is doing more for this world than anybody right now. And I was like, Will, you are not getting a second date. I was like, I'm out. Like, that's the, that's the thing with, you know, we, we do this, especially with white men, right? Like, oh my gosh, this man is so brilliant, so amazing. And anytime, yeah, he does anything, we're like so excited. And then I go on and talk about making half a million dollars in my business last year, right? Or being able to, yeah, buy, buy my friend's dinner. And the internalized misogyny goes like, nope, that's bragging for women, right? That's bragging, that's tacky, 
Why do you have to talk about yourself? Why can't you just be humble, right? Why are you so transparent? And so what I was talking about on the live was like, we have this you know, internalized misogyny around these things where we have a double standard for how women can talk about money versus men, especially in a public, public space. And she actually was in the live and commented and she goes, I am so sorry. <laughs> like this was my intuition. This was like my uncomfortability around money, my uncomfortability with like me not being able to achieve my goals and seeing another woman potentially have what I want and being upset about it, right? We have been told as women, and I'm sure, you know, as, as people of color, right, that, that there's, there is one seat at the table for you. There's one seat at the table. And so in doing so, they have created a survival of the fittest, where if there's only one seat at the table for a woman, one seat at the table for a person of color, one seat at the table for, then we all fight each other. Exactly. We all fight each other to get that one seat at the table. So we take each other down because, again, we live in this patriarchal racist system that's like, you have to do that. You have to fight each other. Not you have to build a new table, right? Let's build a new table. Let's build a new table so we don't have to fight each other. Or let's slowly take out the straight white men who have been there for way too long. I would rather build my own table. But that's the thing, right, is like all of this internalized misogyny, internalized racism, internalized like ableism, right, is is one of the reasons that money is so uncomfortable because we've been told that money should be uncomfortable by the very people who have money. The money is taboo, money is uncomfortable, money, talking about money is tacky narrative is perpetuated by the patriarchy because the patriarchy already has money, they already have power, right? They're talking about money. So the more they tell you to not talk about money, the more they tell you you shouldn't want money because that's greedy or bad. You shouldn't want to talk about money because that is uncomfortable or that is taboo the more they stay in power. Rant over, I'm getting off my soapbox. But yeah, that for me is like, again, one of the big things I'm trying to change here is like, how do we not only talk about money, but how do we like celebrate our accomplishments? If we're going to create communities of non-judgmental money conversations, that doesn't just include people who are just getting started, right? Or who made mistakes or who are in debt. It also includes people who are killing it, right? I've hopefully created a community where people are going to come and support each other when they do make six figures or when my business does half a million or when you are killing it and can afford all of these things, right? So if we're going to create these non-judgmental systems, they need to exist both at the beginning of your journey and when you're killing it, when you're doing really well, because there's judgment on both sides. There's judgment and shame here. And also, especially for women, there's judgment and shame on the other side, which is like, why are you making all that money? Why are you talking about it? It's like, I'm making all that money and I want all of you to make that amount of money. Yep. Like, why not? As you were talking, I was thinking about a conversation I, I had at work recently where we were talking about white dominant norms. What you just described as patriarchy sounded the exact same as white dominant norms in the conversation that I was having because I had the same reaction where I was like, like I've been like not wanting to brag and wanting to keep my accomplishments low and just, you know, not celebrate things and just get through. And I was like, oh. Right, but you thriving in life, you thriving financially as a black man is an act of protest and, and other people need to see it, in my opinion, uh, right? And that's the thing for me too, is it's like people seeing me be confident, people seeing me live my own life, people seeing me have choices and agency. If you have worked through that misogyny, right, then hopefully you see somebody like me and you go, yes, let's go. 
like, cool, I want that, let's, I want that for every woman, I want that for every person, let's go. And when I say patriarchy, I do mean the racist system too. It's the systems that are put in place to limit somebody, whether that's, yeah, a woman, person of color, et cetera, et cetera. Got it. So, yeah, I mean, patriarchy is definitely more of the, you know, the, the quote-unquote feminist issue, but it is, like, the systems we exist in that continually tell a certain marginalized group that it, this world is not for them, right? Or this these systems are not for them. Because, frankly, they're not. The system isn't, in its current form, it is not for us. And so we have to, again, not only work to change our decisions within this current system, but change the system itself. Yeah, I'm going to be sitting here after this recording doing a lot of reflecting because you got me wanting to go out here and uh, and change the world even more because I'm thinking about what I can do and what others can do without it being like some big grandiose out there with a sign or out there because that's not my thing. You can take a form of protest just by how you live your life, which is, uh, I think, a really interesting takeaway for folks. Now, I did want to chat with you about, you posted a picture, you posted a lot of pictures, but you you posted a picture, was in a hotel, you were uh, on a bed. So people probably hear this and they're like, where is this going? <laughs> I'm and, shocked you're going to bring this up. Let's talk about it. Yeah. And I'm going to bring it up in full candor because at first when I looked at it, I didn't look at it and say and think something like, negative about you because I know you. And I'm like, yo, I love this body positivity. But I was like, oof, why did she post that? Like, I'll be honest. I I thought sure. that looking at it, you know? So let me be clear. Let's, let's set the scene of what this is. I'm, I'm not in lingerie. I am in underwear that happens to be period underwear, which for those of you who don't know, there's underwear out there that soaks up your menstrual blood. I was on my period at the time I took that photo. I am in a sweater and underwear. Uh, the only part of my skin you can really see is my legs. Um, it is not like inherently sexual, although, you know, you can, you can decide what is sexual. Everybody can decide that. Um, oh yeah, that photo, that photo had, was a very polarizing photo. <laughs> it's very interesting, but you, you probably have a question around it. So go for it. Well, at the time, because I was heavy just reading those comments because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm one of those people, I'm, I'm just fascinated by how humans respond to things Yeah, and I'm fascinated by how people, uh, grow their audiences Yep. And I knew that it was going to be the ride or dies are going to ride or die even harder. As a former marketing person, actually one of the best things I can suggest to you is post a photo or post a caption that may be polarizing. Because what will happen is the people who are not your people will leave. They will see themselves out. Now they will come kicking and screaming. They will tell you they don't like this, but they will leave. Like I, this, this started when I started, you know, talking about how problematic Dave Ramsey is. Plenty of people were like, I don't, I like Dave Ramsey. And I'm like, okay, then it sounds like this community is not for you. Like, okay, I wish you all the best, but like, there's the door, right? And um, that's what happened here. The the probably the, the quote unquote controversial thing is you could clearly see I had body hair. And for me, I am existing in my body. I am existing in my body. And more and more, I am not even aiming for body positivity. I'm aiming for body neutrality. Because something about body positivity inherently says, quote, you are brave for showing up in your body. You are being brave because we don't see people like you. We don't see women's bodies like you. So like, congratulations. Yes, queen, you are brave. I am just existing in my body. This is the body that I was given with all of its imperfections, with all of the things I'm self-conscious about. 
but it is the least important thing about me. It is the least interesting thing about me, right? Now it is beautiful. It gets me through the day. It allows me to walk 30,000 steps. It allows me to do all of these things, right? But at the end of the day, it is the least important thing about me. And something about body positivity says, like, you being, you having the audacity to show up in a bikini or to show up with body hair is like, hooray, you are brave, right? It's not. I'm not brave. And it's kind of insulting to insinuate that I am, right? I'm just trying to show up. I'm just trying to exist, (laughs) right? I'm just trying to exist in my body. The other part about it is a bunch of people were like, I don't want to see my financial expert post about that. Fine. That's fine. That's fine. My whole thing is, again, I can be a duality. I can be a bunch of different things. I don't just have to talk about money, right? I can post a photo of me in my underwear. And also... I'm just existing. I'm not not making a statement. We have body hair. It's a crazy thing. All of us have body hair. That's so interesting. And a bunch of women were coming and they were like, I don't want to see that. Like, you should shave it off. You should like completely wax. You should do all these things. And I'm like, I don't have to do all these things. And again, for me, it's internalized misogyny of if you choose to do that, that's great. If you choose to remove your body hair, if you choose to do that for me, like, I, I often don't. That's that's not what I. That's uh, not how I want to live and exist in my body. And, and that's your so choice. we see these. Yeah. yeah, and we see these things as super controversial because maybe people aren't showing up in those ways. Or again, we have these these set norms of how women should show up. So when we think, oh, I don't want to see like my financial advisor in period underwear. Well, how do you want to see her? You want to see her in a pencil skirt? Because that's not her twenty four seven. I don't show up in pencil skirts. Do you right? even and if wear you pencil any- skirts? No, no, God, no. <laughs> like if you if you knew anything about me, right, you would know that that the expectations you have are completely irrelevant and completely not even about me. And you also don't get to come onto my page, into my space, into my community that I cultivated, and tell me what is on brand or not. The people telling you who and what your brand should be—that's th- one of my favorite things and i say that with the utmost sarcasm yeah yeah totally. uh, where uh where people feel that they get to have an opinion on your life and how you do things but it's and also just the price of doing business online yeah it is. it's just yeah. A, yeah it's just a, it's just the price of doing business i know that you also recently started a podcast a chart topping dave ramsey destroying podcast and rich i love that pivot we went from we went from pubic hair to to dave ramsey podcast <laughs> That's <laughs> what, yeah. I'm, I was as I was talking, I was like, that was a kind of that was just kind of like a, a, a complete switch. But I was like, no, I maybe agree. I can do a little keep bit of a, a, a Editor, keep this in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so great. I'm like, and, I'm a multifaceted woman. Let's talk about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And I'm because you're, you're starting this podcast, and, and it ties together. I'm, I'm gonna bring it all sure. home for you, girl. It ties together because. The comfortableness with with self. There's the the, the purpose, the alignment, the the vision. I, there's the uh, taking down the patriarchy, white dominant norms. A lot of different things. There's also been. I feel like it's been a personal crusade for you to take down Dave for uh, for a number of years now. You actually, with the launch of your podcast, were able to take the number one spot in business. So congratulations on that with like Thank like you. two episodes. At the time of this recording, th- there's a couple of episodes that are there. So congratulations on that. I just love seeing that uh, as, as much as you've been the counter, I was going to try to do another analogy, but it wasn't working. But as, as much as you've been the uh, counter... <laughs> 
to Dave to then see on the podcast charge, you overtake that number one spot was awesome to see. So can you talk a little bit about the podcast and, and, and how that came about? Because yeah. I didn't know, I guess, how would I know until you told the world about it? But I was like, oh shit, Tori's doing a podcast. Like, of course she's doing a podcast. Like this, this makes complete sense. So can you talk about that a little bit? The podcast is called Financial Feminist. And it is if, yeah, my Instagram was a podcast. Like I was saying before, we don't want to just do the actionable advice, but we have more control over the how to increase your credit scores, the overcoming your psychological bullshit around money. We do that. Um, We also have these deep dive interview episodes about how money affects women differently. On Mondays, I'm doing these more actionable short episodes that are under 15 minutes. And then on Fridays, I'm bringing on guests to talk about these kind of deeper conversations. So uh, multi-level marketing companies, MLMs, and how they are predatory towards women. We're talking about the cash bail system. We're talking about the racial wealth gap. We're talking about uh, sustainability and investing and, the, the again, the, the gap, uh, the wealth gap, the investing gap when it comes to women. So I'm really excited for this first season. Um, we're having these conversations that I don't think a lot of other people are having about not just the how-to, but the how we got here. And money affects every aspect of our lives, and so... We need to talk about it like it does. We need to have these conversations about these deeper issues that are rooted around money. Yeah, it came out May 17th was our first episode. Um, and about two days later, we had we had taken the top spot on the business podcast. We were the only woman-focused, women-hosted podcast in the top 25, which was amazing and also very unfortunate. <laughs> um, yeah, but. Yeah at least of this recording, hopefully we get even higher, but we were top 17 of all podcasts in the world. So we were in the top 20 for every sort of podcast. And so dope. We took the top spot from the Ramsey show. And I've been very outspoken in just, I view the world very differently than Dave Ramsey does and view personal finance education very differently than he does. And um, I don't believe in shaming, judgmental, uh, not acknowledging systemic oppression, personal finance. I don't think it's helpful, and I really don't agree with a lot of his business practices, and I've been very outspoken about that. And so, yeah, it was not only really cool to be the top podcast and to have the top business podcast, even as of this recording, we're talking, as, as we're talking, it's still at the number one spot, but to also know that hopefully this is changing the financial narrative and the way fi- people get financially educated, knowing that a woman blatantly feminist is now on top of the charts uh, previously, you know, the top spot previously held by someone who has uh, allegedly fired uh, female employees for uh, getting pregnant and not being married. I saw that, yeah. Among other among other dubious uh, uh, transgressions. ways to run a business. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Dubious transgressions. Felt really good to have that top spot, and it felt really, really good to know that financial feminism, this movement, this, 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 yeah, it's a it's a movement. This movement yeah. to see the world differently, to see money differently, is here to stay. And that's just been that's been the coolest. And the support of my community. My community has been so supportive. We had twelve hundred ratings before we even released the first episode. We have twelve hundred yeah, ratings and reviews. Like they just came out in droves for the show and in support of me and in support of our team. And like I am so humbled by that. And it's gonna make me cry, but I am so humbled by that to know that like it's one thing to build something you're proud of. It's another thing to have a team around you who believes in what you're doing as much as you. And it's an even cooler thing to have 
this larger community of people you've never met, people who have never spoken to you, who believe in what you're doing as much as you do. And that's just so humbling. I totally get that. Actually, part of the reason I started a podcast uh, was because I went into the business charts looking for personal finance shows and all I saw were old white dudes in suits uh-huh. and Dave Ramsey. Yeah. Yep. And I was like, this isn't this isn't for me. Like, this is not the way that I want to get my fire. I don't want to be told that I'm stupid because my parents didn't teach me something, you know, or it's implied right. that because I didn't have a certain set of things and I don't know how to do something that I'm a freaking idiot. Or the reason you're not rich is because you didn't work hard enough. Not that you uh, grew up with less and that the entire system is repeatedly targeting you and your safety yeah. at risk potentially every day. Like, again, this this is not being discussed by a lot of people and it's happening more and more, but especially not a couple of years ago. Yeah. So we're going to wrap up with something that I, I haven't done before and uh, that I did not tell you about, but but it's it's going to be fun and we're going to see how, how this goes. So uh, I'm going to show you this picture. Where was this? Oh, that was, oh my gosh, at my first in-person event. That was even before her first 100K. So set the tone of what's in this, just like what's in the picture for people because they can't oh, see Oh, sure. It. Sure. Um, yeah, so I am uh, on a panel. I am speaking. I'm wearing a blue dress and fishnets and I look great. Uh, and yeah, I that was my first event that I had ever planned. This was pre for her first 100K. That was December of 2018. I launched her first Center K, rebranded in February of 2019. That was actually, yeah, one of those events where I was like, I love speaking, but I don't want to plan it. <laughs> so it was actually a turning point in my business because I thought I was going to do more in-person events. And I was like, I don't want to plan these. So if we ever do events again, it's going to be my team planning it because I hated it. I hated the coordination so much. I don't so believe much. in planning <laughs> events. It was awful. I just, I'm not organized enough to do that. It was very stressful. But yeah, I'm on a panel there with um, a couple other women that I invited on, including um, my good friend, Amanda Holden, who runs Dumpster Doggy um, and the Dumpster Dog blog. So she's she's not pictured in this, but she's sitting right next to me. So yeah, that was one of my first events. When you look at this picture and then you think about just kind of where you are today and what's happening today, what comes to mind? You just like, let's let's see if we can make her cry. Like, let's see. That if is not get what I'm emotional. trying to do. Yes, it is. It so no, is. I just, You're like, ooh, it, I'm going to get this photo of her. And how does it make her feel? Because I do the same thing as a podcast host. I asked one of my guests, I'm like, what would you tell younger you? And I was like, I just know. I'm like, ha, 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 ha. This question's <laughs> going to be vulnerable and beautiful. Not in a manipulative way. but yeah. um, And so context for people, uh, I was going back and looking at what we talked about on the on the last episode. And I saw this picture. And then I was also thinking about just like how much has changed. And I think about the pictures that I see of you now versus like this picture back then. And I I feel like it's a completely different Tory today. Yeah. Oh, now you're really going to make me cry. This is not something we discuss enough. Is that in addition to choices, in addition to agency, having a financial foundation, I am the most confident person I've ever been. And I've always been very confident. But I don't have to put up with toxicity. I don't have to be in situations that I don't want to be in anymore, right? I don't have to exist in places, yeah, that I, that I don't want to be. And that has done more for my confidence than anything. Standing in my power, knowing that, you know, if I go on a date, I can pay 
if you know I can pay and not think about it and I'm not I'm not here to find somebody to financially support me you know or you know when I speak at an event and I'm 26 and I'm the youngest person there by a decade the thought used to be oh gosh I'm so lucky to be here like all of these other people are so much more experienced than I am and like this is terrifying the thought is now I belong here. I know that my work makes a difference. I know that what I'm going to say is going to help somebody. So of course I'm supposed to be here. Not in a cocky way, but just I know I'm supposed to be here. If I could point to anything, this is what I want my work to do. Because women play small because we've been told that we shouldn't play big. Sorry. Um, No, I'm not going to apologize for crying, but... I am sorry for the audio because it's not going to sound great, but <laughs> that is that is what it means to have this agency and to have choices. Is um, I am so confident. I I am working on my own shit constantly. You know, I I have my own insecurities just like everybody else. I've gained weight in quarantine, and that's really fucked me up, quite frankly. And I'm working <laughs> through that, you know. But like, there are so many things about myself that I am just so proud of. And I'm so proud of them because I did them myself. I took a very big solo trip that I didn't really talk about at all. I didn't talk about it on social media. My friends knew, but like I went on a I went on a trip for a month. I was gone for a month. And I was there on my own dime. I got um a I, I rented a car for the whole time I was there and I got a free upgrade to a convertible. I'm driving around in a Mustang convertible. I am a 26-year-old single woman. I'm driving around in a Mustang convertible. I have done something that so many women dream of, which is taking time for themselves, going away, learning more about themselves, knowing, you know, just they're navigating. I'm navigating my own life. You know, I go on a hike, you know, no one else, you know, people know I'm out there obviously, but like I'm there by myself. I got to figure it out. I, I put myself here in my own dime. If I'm going to get myself in a situation, I have the agency and the power to get myself out if I need to. I'm going to go out to dinner alone. I'm going to have all these experiences. And like, that is what I want every woman to feel. Like, that is the goal, really. That's the overarching, you know, that is the overarching goal. Is like, how, how do we give women and everybody not just financial agency, but the confidence and, and the, the, again, foundation to be able to make those choices and to be able to live their lives. I am, I am so proud of myself. I'm so proud of everything I've built. And I want every woman to feel the way I do. I want every woman to exist in themselves and to be, be, so proud of themselves and what they've accomplished. And that is what I want. That is what I want with her first 100K. And so, yeah, you're exactly right. The woman in that photo is very confident. I'm very confident. I'm also, um, you know, a lot's changed. That was, I was still working for somebody else at that point and would for a whole year after that. I was still, you know, dealing with, unfortunately, men at work who were intimidated by the business I was building, which was so funny because they're like, so much more experienced than I was. I was still, yeah, I was about to go into a relationship that was going to, going to very, uh, 
start very quickly and end very quickly. I didn't know that. Um, you know, there's, there's so many things that we get started doing in our lives and we just, we just hope we figure it out along the way. And, um, yeah, I, I'm in a lot of ways, the same person. I'm a lot of ways, a very different person now. Um, evolution. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I, I, that's what I hope for every woman with, with her first hundred K is, um, the agency to be able to, to be able to live the life that you want, to be able to have, have confidence and be, be so, so in love with yourself, even when you fuck up and even when you have insecurities and even when you, you know, there's, there's things you're working through. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a money and, and financial agency is one of the biggest confidence boosters I've ever gotten. So yeah, I want that for every single woman. I love that. I'm glad I did that little experiment because that <laughs> yielded some <laughs> that yielded some, <laughs> some awesome stuff. So uh, you're like, Tori, we got her, we got her, yeah, we got her, got her, got her. I'm so glad you came back on the podcast. And uh, thank you for having and, uh, me. Yeah, so yeah, and, and that we got to have this this conversation. And, and I hope people will go and check out your podcast and check out everything that you're doing around the world, the web, especially as we get back to in-person events. I can only imagine that the realm of things that you have planned in the realm <laughs> of opportunities that are coming your way. So for those that uh, are interested in learning a little bit more, they want to catch up with you, where, where can they find you around the web and all of that good stuff? And, and uh, if there's anything else to note that you have coming out that folks should be aware of, feel free to share that as well. I appreciate it. This is truly one of my favorite shows. Uh, I think you do such an amazing job and I am so thankful for how you having me on the first time. I was so stoked to be there the first time and I'm, I'm, equally stoked to be here so thanks for having me back on i am at her first 100k on all the socials h-e-r-f-i-r-s-t 100k or her first 100k.com we also have our podcast financial feminist which is available on all podcast platforms you can also go to financialfeministpodcast.com we got a lot of exciting things in the works uh in july august sometime in the summer we're actually um going to be releasing an investment platform to teach women how to invest and and actually not only create a community of women who are investing, but actually get them started investing, which we're so excited about. And yes, yeah, so we got, we got a bunch of stuff coming. So yeah, at her first hundred K primarily on Instagram and TikTok, come say hi, come join the community. We'd love to have you. Y'all better go get it. Tori, thanks for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. Yo, Tori's the best, and I'm so glad that she came on the show and kept it so candid. And like I said up top, the passion really does play a role. It may not be everything, but when you're as clear on your purpose as Tori is, good things are bound to happen. And I'm looking forward to having her back on the show again down the road and also keeping up with her progress. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share with your network because the more people we reach, the more people we help. Also, don't forget to submit your question by dropping a note to info at P-A-Y-B-A-L dot C-O, info at paybal dot C-O. Myself and the team will be on the lookout. Thanks so much for listening. And until next time, do something dope.